Welcome to the Middle Tech Podcast, this region's leading business podcast, shining a light on technology, entrepreneurship, and the future of business in Kentucky and beyond. Our goal is to advance the ecosystem by bringing attention to the founders, changemakers, innovators, and those supporting them. Middle Tech's content can be found on your favorite podcast streaming app, social channels, and YouTube. We encourage you to follow and participate in the conversation. Let's discuss and build the future. Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. You've got Evan Knowles and Logan Jones here. We finally got to sit down with the man that has sent us so many intros and discuss the company he works for, Endeavor, which is doing amazing things for entrepreneurs and companies around the world, and especially in this region of the United States. Uh, they do great work, and we're looking forward to you know highlighting uh, what they do. Yeah, I mean, it's no question that some of our higher-profile guests and some of our better conversations have come from uh, introductions that Jake has given us. So, uh, Jake, big thank you to you for giving us all those introductions and then coming on and uh, hopping on the podcast with us. So we got to talk about what Endeavor is, how they help entrepreneurs, the trends Jake sees in the region. So he does a lot of traveling between Indy, Louisville, Lexington. Uh, so he gets to see a lot of what's going on in those ecosystems. And he talks a little bit about uh, the trends going on in each. Uh, and we also talk about the things that we need to be doing better as a region. So as we always do on this podcast, we like to talk about the things we do well uh, and also the things we don't do so well. So before we dive into this one, we're going to get a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Land Betterment. Land Betterment is doing some incredible work throughout Appalachia and Eastern Kentucky as they are taking abandoned strip mines and putting sustainable businesses in their place. These businesses not only provide a useful repurposing of the land, but they also provide great jobs to replace the mining jobs that were lost when the mine was shut down. To learn more about Land Betterment, you can listen to our interview with their founders, Mark Jensen and Kirk Taylor, on episode 97, or visit their website at landbetterment.com. We're also sponsored by Airwing Ventures. Airwing helps determined entrepreneurs seeking resources to grow with capital and connections in order to build successful companies and impactful legacies. They're all about high growth companies, high growth careers, and high growth communities. I've personally known Dan Beldy for about four years now, and I've seen the work he's been doing in the community, and we should all feel very blessed and grateful that a VC like himself is here in Kentucky. I encourage you to connect with Airwing and learn more. Let's all grow this state together. You can reach out to Dan at info at airwing.vc or dan at airwing.vc. And their website is www.airwing.vc. All right, we're finally sitting down with the man that gives us so many great intros to so many great entrepreneurs. You know, it's about time we get him on and and put more attention on the amazing company he works for, Endeavor. So Endeavor is a company that I want Jake to describe and talk about. But you know, we're thankful for the connections that we've been giving uh, through you all. So thanks, thanks for joining. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for for having me. Super excited to to jump in and talk about Endeavor. Yeah. So before we dig into Endeavor a little bit more here, you know. Uh, I think our audience would enjoy getting to know you because like Evan mentioned, you give us a lot of awesome 
introductions and a lot of the startup community is just the people that make up that startup community. So first off, tell us where your accent's from, oh, yeah. because it's definitely not the, the Kentucky accent that most of our listeners are probably used to hearing. And then uh, lead that into how you got into startups and the startup ecosystem. Yep. Here yep in, absolutely. Here so, so, you know, for, for context of our, our Endeavor office, so you know, our, our regional office is based here in Louisville, uh, headquartered in, in Louisville. I was founded here. I am actually, I, I'm based in Indianapolis, so I, I support kind of central Indiana and, and the Indianapolis market. And then we also work in Cincinnati and, and up to Columbus, Ohio. So kind of Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio is really the core market that we, we work on. And, and I lead that in Indianapolis. I've been in Indiana for eight years. Before that, I spent about 15 years in South Africa. So I grew up in Cape Town. I have extended family across the U.S., honestly, at this point, from coast to coast. But I grew up in Cape Town, went to, went to school there, uh, went to high school there, and then actually made it to central Indiana to play baseball. Uh, Division three baseball. I was recruited to, to a school in, in central Indiana, Wabash College, uh, where I discovered I hated Midwest winters. I wasn't that good at baseball, and I did not want to uh, practice at 4 a.m. in February in, in Indiana. Uh, so, so I, I ended up playing one season, and I did a number of internships through through college, you know, abroad in in South Africa, and and in fact, that's what led me to Endeavor. Uh, so I actually worked with our office in South Africa in Cape Town. Uh, the, the South Africa office is based in Johannesburg, uh, has a regional kind of affiliate office in, in Cape Town, and so I actually worked at that office in 2015, around the same time where Jackson Andrews, who's our, our regional manager, managing director, was launching the the office here out of out of Louisville. Um, so. Ended up graduating college. Uh, it's, you know, I, I had studied economics. It was liberal arts. Really enjoyed it. Did not want to be an economist. Uh, I was a little bit too entrepreneurial for that. Uh, spent a little bit of time in kind of workforce development, really uh, focusing on looking at recurring talent challenges uh, with employers in, in central Indiana and helping them build pipelines, recurring pipelines of talent, partnering with local universities. Um, and then kind of came full circle, rejoined the Endeavor team, uh, roughly halfway across the world at this point uh, and, and started leading our, our efforts to expand a little bit more regionally uh, in Indianapolis, in Indiana. Uh, and that was two and a half years ago. So that's, that's the, that's the backstory. Yeah, no, that's yeah. great. Um, give us an idea of the footprint of Endeavor because you guys are not only in the U S you're yep. worldwide. So give us an idea of all the different places Endeavor operates. So let me, I'll, I'll kind of start with, with what Endeavor is kind of 50,000 foot views were a, a nonprofit started in, in 1997. Uh, first offices were actually in Buenos Aires, Argentina and Santiago, Chile. So, so in South America. Um, and really the thesis was and, and still is that kind of based on geography, there are you know, awesome entrepreneurs. There are fantastic companies. There's amazing innovation everywhere. Um, but, you know, kind of, again, based on the geography, there's limited access to resources. So, uh, you know, in, in those markets and now, you know, we're in uh, 39 countries around the world and, and eight U.S. markets, uh, that holds true where in, in a lot of the places Endeavor operates in kind of overlooked flyover country in the U.S., underserved or developing markets around the world. For entrepreneurs to scale a company, you know, there's, there's fewer resources than if you are building a company in San Francisco, in New York, in Boston, Austin, et cetera. Uh, and the flip side of that is that really we believe in, and data shows and, and kind of backs this up that it is those entrepreneurs that scale and, you know, reach significant scale and then reinvest. Those are the companies and the entrepreneurs that really drive economic growth forward. And then, you know, also inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs and, and help create wealth in their, in their ecosystems. Um, so that's, that's the, the back kind of thesis to, to Endeavor. Um, 
over those over those 25 years, um, we've grown our network, the, the Endeavor network of entrepreneurs, um, to just over 2,100 entrepreneurs selected into the Endeavor network globally. Um, so that's you know over 25 years, um, you know in now almost 40 countries. It's you know 100 to 150 entrepreneurs a year actually join Endeavor's network. Um, and, and to do that, there's a, a, a competitive selection process. So, uh, you know, we're, we are looking for really the, the highest potential companies um, led by entrepreneurs who are committed to paying it forward now and, and giving it back, you know, in the future when they hopefully reach that, that level of, of scale and success. Um, and, and so, you know, I think at this point, somewhere between two and three percent of the entrepreneurs that we engage with, that we, you know, talk to in the wild actually go on to to join Endeavor and to to join the network uh, through that selection process that takes you know, roughly six to 12 months, you know, sometimes even a little bit, a little bit longer. Um, and then for companies that that join the network, the entrepreneurs that become Endeavor entrepreneurs, um, we broadly provide services kind of in, in three main areas, access to other markets, uh, you know, being being in almost 40 countries and in kind of across the middle America markets, um, you know, just having those boots in the ground. So helping, you know, these growth stage companies uh, often as they're expanding either nationally or, or internationally, we, we support that through a variety of services. Uh, access to capital is another piece, um, you know, kind of at a high level, you know, we have Endeavor actually has, we have an office in New York City, that's our global headquarters, and we have an office in Silicon Valley. Uh, they're not supporting entrepreneurs on the ground. They're there, obviously, to, to build a network uh, and to kind of open those doors for the entrepreneurs we do work with here in Louisville, in Indianapolis, in Cincinnati, and around the world. Um, and then another part of that, that access to capital pieces, is Endeavor's fund. So we are a nonprofit. Uh, we have a fund called Catalyst, which I can, I can get into a little bit more in a couple minutes. Uh, but really, that's a way for Endeavor to, you know, financially support some of the entrepreneurs that, that we select. Uh, it's, it's almost a perk for Endeavor entrepreneurs, um, uh, you know, but that allows us to, to also within the network support our entrepreneurs with, with capital. Uh, and the third piece is access to talent, uh, which you know, talent has been a, a big issue in the last couple of years, especially in the last 12 months has been a, a huge thing for entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, but really historically what that is for us is talent we actually look at often at the, with the lens of the entrepreneurs themselves. You know, as you scale a company, you know, from 50 employees to 100 employees to 200 to 400 to 1,000, right? You have to scale as a leader with that. Uh, so Endeavor has uh, created a couple of programs for entrepreneurs. Uh, we partnered with Harvard Business School for, for now uh, at least a decade uh, on, a, on a program that is, uh, you know, through Harvard Business School, only for Endeavor entrepreneurs uh, around scaling entrepreneurial ventures. Um, similar programs at Stanford and then INSEAD uh, out of Singapore as well. Um, and then we partner globally and then, you know, here locally as well with, with Ernst & Young, with EY, uh, and other organizations like Bain, a uh, number of uh, business schools to provide, you know, low-cost or no-cost programs and, and talent to the entrepreneurs' businesses. Um, so that's kind of the three main areas we focus on, access to, to markets, capital, and talent. And then kind of backing that is the network itself. Uh, of, of kind of the mentors and board members that we curate to support entrepreneurs. And then, of course, the entrepreneurs themselves, right? 2,100 entrepreneurs, all with the same goal of, of truly scaling and growing a business and then reinvesting and, and giving back. So I like the fact that you look for entrepreneurs wanting to reinvest it back into their communities and help their communities grow. Um, I think one of the closest examples to where we are today, which is we're, we're in Louisville, 
And I think Indianapolis is a great example of this because Indianapolis has had this snowball effect ever since, you know, Salesforce entered that market. And now you're starting to see all these SaaS companies pop out of that. Talk about what you're seeing in Indianapolis and why it's, you know, an example of why it's important for these exits to just reinvest back in the community and what, what comes from that. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It, you know, you... You can't talk about Indianapolis and no one that you know tells the Indianapolis story without talking about exact target, you know, when you're talking about entrepreneurship. And there are other, you know, there were companies before that that you know were very significant and scaled and and you know others that have been successful, but but really exact target is, you know, has had that exponential effect. And I'd love to say Endeavor had something to do with that, and we we did not. And it is, you know, I, I use exact target as an example of of what Endeavor is trying to achieve, honestly. Um, so that company was founded in Indianapolis uh, for co-founders. Uh, kind of the marketing technology space. Uh, so that that company uh, scaled up for a number of years. It, it actually went public. Um, and then in 2012, Salesforce bought ExactTarget. I think it was a $2.3 billion uh, acquisition. And, and really, you know, ExactTarget then became Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And, you know, f- since then, you know, I don't think we have an official tally, but there are somewhere between, you know, upwards of 50, 60, maybe 70 companies that have been founded since 2013 or 14 in Indianapolis that have exact target talent or, or money, right? Uh, a, a huge example of that is, is High Alpha. So a number of the founders from, from exact target um, took that success and started High Alpha, which is a, a venture studio um, that essentially works on you know, creating new ideas, sourcing new ideas to, to start companies. They focus on, on B2B SaaS, so business-to-business software companies. And they find ideas, they source them sometimes from the community, from, from corporate partners um, or internally, and they, they build companies and they, they launch companies out of their studio and spin them up, you know, give them some financial backing, support them through their capital team as well and, and have an investing component. Um, you know, that studio alone has, has produced uh, upwards of 20 or 25 companies at this point uh, and continues to do that to this day. And, you know, kind of joke, you know, Scott Dorsey and, and the founders of Exact Target, you know, those folks had taken that, you know, success and exit and gone to the Mediterranean to sail, like, great, that, you know, that would have been an awesome outcome for them, uh, but, but wouldn't have had that exponential effect that, that's happened in, in the Indianapolis market uh, that, that you see today. And, you know, you're, you're continuing to see, uh, you know, inevitably I'll, you know, we'll see a new company or, or see a, a company starting up or, or kind of getting some traction and, you know, you'll look through and there's somebody from exact target or there's somebody from, you know, Salesforce, you know, the other piece to that exact target acquisition was, was the timing of it. Um, you know, when, when Salesforce came in and, and bought exact target, there were a number of, of employees, early employees that had equity in the company and, and, you know, overnight were able to realize significant returns. And these were folks that were, you know, newly minted millionaires uh, exact target did a, a really good job of, of kind of spreading that equity around um, and and people that weren't ready to retire you know right in 30s or 40s or, or younger you know a little bit older and and wanted to do other things so you know there are now angel investors or entrepreneurs themselves you know that have come out of that that success and that that exit now from a dev standpoint one we want that to happen again in Indianapolis and in Louisville and in Lexington and in Cincinnati and Columbus you know etc um, that's the that's really that kind of story and that that ecosystem you know that exponential impact on the ecosystem is absolutely what we're we're trying to achieve and trying to support entrepreneurs to get there yeah so you're in the trenches you know up in indianapolis louisville cincinnati lexington these areas 
what what are you seeing as far as trends go, you know, in, in Kentucky compared to some of the other markets like Indianapolis or, or Cincinnati that you're seeing? Yeah. What are you seeing? Yeah. Uh, so, so we kind of joke a little bit, right? When the office started in Louisville, right? Food and beverage is big here. Amazing hospitality. You know, you can't talk about Louisville without bourbon, you know, and, and the scene here is incredible. And there's maybe a little bit of an assumption that the Endeavor, you know, office would, would kind of trend that way a little bit. And, um, you know, in, in some ways, the opposite's been true, which is interesting. So we are we are industry agnostic, uh, you know, Endeavor entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, here in Louisville, Cave Zemanian from Rabbit Hole Distillery is one of those fantastic entrepreneurs in, in the food and beverage space in, in Bourbon who's an Endeavor entrepreneur. So we, we absolutely will support companies uh, in, in any industry, you know, just looking for that. You know, is it a high growth business that has the potential to, to scale and, and you know, realize significant growth? Uh, but really, is it entrepreneur founded and led? And, you know, is the entrepreneur kind of, you know, do they fit the endeavor mold? And do they, do they you know, have that drive and that interest and that passion to, to make that happen? Um, but it's kind of what happened in, in Louisville ended up being, you know, we're, our office has selected 20 entrepreneurs regionally in the last five years into the global endeavor network. Um, and, you know, we've tended towards some really interesting data science companies. Uh, Edge Analytics is an Endeavor entrepreneur-led company. Uh, some fantastic healthcare companies in, in the software space. Uh, Behave VR, Aaron Ganey is an Endeavor entrepreneur. Handle Global, you know, in, also in the healthcare space. Kyle Green is an Endeavor entrepreneur. Um, you know, and, and another huge success for, for Endeavor, but for Louisville, has been El Toro, right? We're sitting in the gateway to Nulu. Uh, you know, which is kind of conceptualized and, and is here because of Stacey Griggs and, and the El Toro team. Um, and that's, you know, an incredible success story for us here regionally where Stacey was selected as Endeavor Entrepreneur you know, a little bit earlier, a couple of years ago in, in El Toro's growth journey. Uh, they've continued to grow at an incredibly fast pace. Um, I don't know if you all saw their old offices. They, they outgrew their old offices, right? They had people packed in there. It was tons of fun, uh, you know, in part, they, they needed a new space as they continue to grow. Um, and, and so they built out this gateway to Nulu. So we actually have three Endeavor entrepreneur-led businesses here. Edge Analytics, I mentioned. Uh, El Toro headquarters, obviously. And then the third company is Interapt, uh, which is an IT services company with an incredible mission. They partner with, with General Assembly uh, to upskill workers you know, in, in Western Louisville and in Appalachia and in Atlanta and, and working to uh, help companies like Humana and like EY to find and upskill the talent that they need. You know, they have incredible talent challenges that they can't fill and Interapt comes in and, and supports them doing that. So, you know, some incredible stories, uh, you know, of entrepreneurs here in Louisville uh, and in Kentucky that are, are not only in the food and beverage and hospitality space. Then, of course, you know, can't, can't talk about entrepreneurship in Kentucky without Jonathan Webb and App Harvest, right? You know, you guys know them super well, um, you know, in your neck of the woods as well. Jonathan was selected as an Endeavor entrepreneur in late 2019, um, was one of the only, if, if not only, Endeavor company ever selected pre-revenue, which is, you know, again, not common for Endeavor globally. Did you just look at the scale of the problem they were solving and like the scale uh, of what they were doing and say, okay, these guys got to come in. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, absolutely. It was, they were pre-revenue, yeah. but they had raised over $100 million dollars based out of Moorhead, Kentucky, yeah, uh, you know, $100 million of capital raised, of any kind of capital in, in almost any market is a huge number. And right there in Moorhead, Kentucky and in, and in Lexington. So they had, they had, you know, the momentum was there, mm-hmm. right? They had raised that money. You know, they were starting to build, um, you know. He has were, a good track record. The, the pieces were coming together. Yeah. 
you know, and, and Jonathan, I remember kind of mid-2019, uh, the first time I met Jonathan was, was in Endeavor's offices. You know, I was, I was here in Louisville and we you know, had a meeting with him and he walked in and it's like, all right, it's, it's time. Like, I'm ready. Like, let's do this Endeavor thing. Like, we're, we're taking off. Uh, you know, of course, there's a, a little bit more due diligence in the selection process. And, you know, it's, it's, it's competitive, um, certainly. But, but they were at that point of, of really starting to hit that incredible growth curve that, that now we're seeing, you know, today and, and for this year and, you know, into the future. Let's, uh, let's touch on that, the selection process. You know, we've mentioned several times Endeavor Entrepreneur, Endeavor Entrepreneur, selected to be an Endeavor Entrepreneur. What does it look like to actually become an Endeavor Entrepreneur? What are you guys looking at? What's the application process look like? Yep. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so the Endeavor Network, once, you know, once entrepreneurs join, you know, go through the selection process and become Endeavor entrepreneurs, they are, you know, they're in the network as long as they, as they want to be, right? As long as they're leading and scaling companies. So it's not a, it's not a cohort-based or program-based organization. You know, we're, we're a network of, of these high-impact entrepreneurs, we call them. So the selection process, right? Our teams all over the world, you know, here, here regionally, we spend a lot of times out in the, in the cities and the markets that we're in looking for entrepreneurs, right? Kind of doing research, you know, networking, you know, figuring out who's out there. The selection process is kind of broken down into three parts. The, the first phase, uh, we call them second opinion reviews, but are essentially one-on-one interviews where, and, you know, current Endeavor entrepreneurs and board members and mentors from, from the regional network uh, sit down and, and interview a, a candidate. Um, and it's, you know, we're assessing the business, we're assessing the entrepreneur, we're assessing, you know, the fit for Endeavor. But at the same time, we're looking to add value to the entrepreneurs even at that stage. Because if they're, you know, if they're putting in the time to, to schedule and to prepare and to meet with folks from the Endeavor network, right, we want to make strategic connections. We want to figure out what their challenges are and, and, and make introductions as well. And throughout that process, we're constantly asking mentors to, to give feedback, right? That's, that's what it's about. So that, that interview phase, those second opinion reviews, we, we do you know, somewhere between four and six gives us a good sense of, of where the company is at, if it's good timing, you know, if it's good fit for Endeavor. And if a candidate moves through that, they, they then go to a, a local selection panel. And every Endeavor office around the world has a, has a local board. Uh, and typically it's the board that is uh, serving as panelists for our local selection panels. What what our team does as as Endeavor uh, staff members is, is actually work with these candidates. We put together uh, ten page, ten eleven page, you know, profiles, you know, similar to a, a Harvard a Harvard case study, uh, kind of cross with the business plans. We're working with the entrepreneur to really dive in to their company and to the business model and to their strategy and to their growth plan and to the to the story and you know where do they want to go, uh, and we work kind of hand in hand to put together this profile along with kind of numbers and financials and just really, really dig into where they're at. And that goes to the, the, for the local selection panel. The panelists use that to, to really dig in a little bit deeper. That's kind of our due diligence, right, in, in the process. Uh, candidate has to pass that local selection panel unanimously uh, to go on to the final phase, which is an international selection panel. Now, you know, back in, in, in 2019 and early 2020, the international selection panels were, were in person. Uh, we were typically doing six to eight a year all over the world. You know, our team went to Madrid, Spain in, in early 2019 and Switcher Studio from Louisville was selected into the Endeavor Network then. Uh, we went to Tokyo uh, with a Canada company. We went to Mexico in, in late 2019 and Eric Ganning from Behavior was selected into the network. And the, the international panel was a very similar format to that local selection panel. 
uh, a candidate entrepreneur will, will interview it. So the, the Endeavor candidate company will interview with six panelists, which really are the, you know, the, the top of Endeavor's network, right? The you know, kind of board members from across the world, Endeavor entrepreneurs that have scaled and, you know, maybe are, are donating time and giving back or, or folks that are kind of in our mentor network. They serve as, as panelists at the international level. Um, and each candidate interviews with six of these panelists and, again, has to pass unanimously through that to actually be selected into the Endeavor network. Uh, so that process, again, you know, it's always built around the entrepreneur. You know, we want that to always be value add. Again, we're taking up a lot of their time. Often, again, this is six to 12 months, sometimes even longer, depending on the company and where they're at. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of time and energy while, while those entrepreneurs are, you know, scaling their companies and, and worrying about growing their businesses and, and the staff that they're hiring and all of those things day to day of managing a startup or a scale up company. Um, you know, they're going through the selection process for Endeavor. Um, and so that process, we, we really try to, to make value added at the entrepreneur. And then again, once they pass that international selection panel phase, they become Endeavor entrepreneurs. And that's where we come in with our kind of support and services around access to capital markets and talent, and, and really this core network of high growth, high impact entrepreneurs around the world that they become a part of as a library of services. You know, we have all of these different resources that we've curated and, and continue to work on. And, you know, we would then work you know, hand in hand with the entrepreneurs as they continue to grow their companies to identify you know, what, what challenges do you have? What are some of the most common challenges you're, you're hearing from entrepreneurs that they're having? Yeah. I mean, you know, being in the Midwest or, you know, in, in Kentucky, capital is, yeah. huge, you know, a yeah. huge challenge and yeah. we see that getting better, right? We see some great, some great funders coming, you know, to the Midwest and we had Lightship Capital. Uh, so Brian Brackeen is actually an Endeavor entrepreneur selected a couple years ago uh, through our Miami office uh, and is now the general partner at Lightship Capital based in Cincinnati, you know, got some VC firms and, and capital firms in Indianapolis and here in Louisville. Um, but that, that remains a challenge, right? It's, it is still, uh, it is still not at the same level that you'll, you'll see in San Francisco and in New York and in London. You know, so that, that remains a challenge, obviously, the last year with, with COVID and, you know, kind of how that's played out. And, you know, there, there's, that's opened some doors in some ways. For a while, we, we, we saw deals getting done and, and continue to get done where the funder, the investor and the entrepreneur still haven't met in person. Uh, and, and absolutely, you know, that's, that's been able to open some doors. But it is still, you know, it is still a challenge for entrepreneurs that are going down the path of raising venture capital or needing other financing to grow. On the flip side, we have some incredible bootstrap businesses in, in the Midwest. And, and, you know, we'll joke with, with friends out in the Valley, you know, VCs, we've got this awesome company we're working with and, you know, they're doing millions of dollars in AR and, and growing quickly. And, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, how much money have they raised? Well, none. <laughs> uh, and it's like, wait, you could do that? There are some upsides and they're, they're really, we see that, you know, within the Endeavor network as well. Um, Talent, obviously, is, a, is another huge one that, uh, you know, I see every, every company or most companies have a talent challenge. Yeah. What that means to different companies is incredibly different, you know, it's an incredibly different challenge, right? Humana has a talent challenge. Uh, you know, Louisville's bars, you know, and restaurants on the street have talent challenges right now. High growth entrepreneur businesses, software companies have talent challenges, but those are all very different things. And so it's incredibly industry specific and, you know, but across the board, talent is a, is a, is a challenge for the entrepreneurs we work with. 
again, COVID has changed things. You know, we have companies that are able to then go out and find the right person for the role in, in a different market that potentially they weren't able to, to access or to, to hire before. Uh, the flip side is that they may be competing for that person with four other companies from three different countries. Uh, so it's a different dynamic. So, you know, capital and talent, talent continue to, to be challenges for the entrepreneurs that we're working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, something I'm curious about is with your job, I think you have a really cool job. You get to go around and talk to a lot of different markets and a lot of different entrepreneurs from those different markets. So whether it's their backgrounds or personality or personality traits, what kind of similarities do you see amongst the, the founders and the entrepreneurs that you get to speak with pretty frequently? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, what, one of the things we're looking for, right, we're selecting Endeavor entrepreneurs and, and we're, we're looking for founders who, you know, have that passion and have that drive to, to scale a company. And that's, that's, that's not necessarily, you know, that, that's not common in the broad scale of, of business, right? That's, that's actually not common, right? We're working with entrepreneurs often. So, you know, may see that a little bit more, but, but really out there in the world, right? There are not a lot of, there are not many founders and entrepreneurs that are, are trying to build a company and grow a company to scale. And, and so the entrepreneurs that we're working with, you know, we're looking to find those folks and, and, and support them along their journey. One of the, one of the interesting things with, with Endeavor that I've you know, learned over the last couple of years, I don't have the, the number offhand, but you know, the average age of Endeavor entrepreneurs is somewhere in, in their late 30s, early 40s. Uh, it kind of bucks that trend of you know, young dude in Silicon Valley in a hoodie you know, that looks like me, that's a, a founder and entrepreneur, you know, that, that kind of impression, which you know, is true in many cases. You know, but many of the founders that we work with come from you know, corporate backgrounds. For example, you know, Aaron Ganey, mm-hmm. again, from, from Behavior, was the chief technology officer at Humana, right? You know, a, a Fortune 100 company. Now, I would say that, that most Endeavor entrepreneurs don't have that background, but, but again, we, we see that. Um, you know, we often have companies or we often have founders that have, you know, had a track record in the field that they're working in or, you know, worked firsthand in the problem that they're addressing with their company or have been an entrepreneur, you know, for, for many years. Uh, you know, often we're actually supporting at times entrepreneurs in their second company. Uh, so, for example, Rodney Williams is an Endeavor entrepreneur. Uh, his first company, Listener, is from Cincinnati. Rodney and, and Listener, you know, he's an Endeavor entrepreneur. He actually co-founded a, another company called Solo Funds that we also now support along with his co-founder, Travis Holloway. Um, so we see that life cycle with, with entrepreneurs as well uh, as they continue to, to build companies you know, over and over at times. Um, so you know, the, the profile of an entrepreneur is, is a little bit different you know, then, then again, that, that perception of, of what, you know, a Silicon Valley founder might look like. Yeah. I think, you know, we get to talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and founders as well. I'm curious to hear your take on this as well, Evan. But for me, something that I notice is a lot of these founders, they seem like very normal people that just all of a sudden came to this realization, like I can, I can solve this problem. Like if anybody's going to go out and solve it, why can't it be me? So that attitude is very inspiring to me as a young guy who's just now kind of getting into the startup space of understanding if you just address a problem that has, you know, a very real uh, need that needs to be solved with it Mm -hmm. and then truly believe and go out and build a team around you that can go out and and solve that problem. It's just that like knowing, having that self-confidence is something that I notice in a lot of the people we interview. What, what are, what's something that you think a lot of entrepreneurs we interview share in common? Um, 
I'd say, I definitely say it's the problem solving. I mean, I think as an entrepreneur, one of the natural traits is you just look around the world and you see something that bothers you and you say, well, how can, how can that be better? I just think that's a natural tendency that, that you find in entrepreneurs, whereas, you know, they're, they're always unsatisfied. Mm. Um, and I think people that are able to stay in jobs longer or don't have those traits of an entrepreneur, you know, they find more comfort or um, complacency or uh, they're satisfied with the way things are. And I think just entrepreneurs we talk to, mm. they all kind of scream, you know, this unsatisfaction for the way things are. Um, and they're all kind of quirky. They've got, you know, kind of this, a lot of them are like outcasts in a lot of ways, not like outcasts of like society, but just like they don't, don't necessarily fit into a lot of the circles that, you know, I think, you know, quote unquote, normal people would fit into. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's just, uh, again, unsatisfaction and um, just traits of kind of quirkiness. I mean, yeah. you know, you sit down with an entrepreneur and they just act a little different. Um, they've got a different look in their eyes and I think it's pretty apparent. But then you also get entrepreneurs that are totally normal people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think yep. those are some really interesting discussions we've had because they like to talk about different things than mm. a hardcore, somebody that just kind of looks and, and breathes. You can just tell entrepreneurship that may be a little bit more technical. You know, I think there's, there's different kinds of entrepreneurs, but I yeah, think those absolutely. two traits, you know, yeah. it's again, yeah. I keep saying it, unsatisfaction and, you know, they have something different about yeah. them to where they don't fit in with the normal, normal crowd. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to kind of bring it back to this area specifically, we mentioned some of like the, the roadblocks. Um, what's some things that this area could be doing better that you guys are actively trying to go out and help solve? Yeah. yeah I think, I guess yeah. Under, other than capital, right? Yeah, We've already yeah, talked yeah. about yeah. that one. I was thinking about this as, as you guys were kind of chatting about this. Uh, you know, one of Endeavor's kind of our, our tagline is, is go big, scale up, give back. And in the Midwest kind of broadly, you know, one thing we over and over are, are telling founders and entrepreneurs is, is think bigger, right? I mean, inevitably, uh, through the selection process, you know, we'll have an entrepreneur that we're working with, with you know, lay out their, their growth plan and, and strategic kind of priorities and, and you know, how they're going to build their company and get to, you know, $10 million and then $25 million in, in revenue. And inevitably, you know, a panelist or a mentor will say, great, you know, how are you going to get to 100 uh, you know, I've seen this happen multiple times and, you know, the entrepreneur has just laid out this fantastic strategy and, and well thought through planned, you know, to get to, to one point and then you know, a panelist or, or a mentor just says, great, how do, you, how do you go bigger after that? How do you think bigger? We're constantly working with entrepreneurs and, and encouraging them to, to think bigger. How do you do that? You know, of course, without taking unnecessary risks or being irresponsible, right? But in, in the Midwest, there's a tendency to not necessarily think as big as, as we can. I think it kind of fits into what you are talking about earlier, like bootstrapping. I mean, I'm going through that right now. It's yep. like, you know, we're very conservative around here. Absolutely. You're wanting to grow something and to be sustainable and just, you kind of got this small mindset. And I think, like you said, on the West Coast, you know, they're so used to going big, yep. so, re so used to raising money. Yep. But I agree with you. And I think it ties back to, like this bootstrap conservative mentality yeah. that people around here don't think big enough. And then that translates into, well, where's the capital? There would be more capital if there are more people thinking big and starting big companies and reinvesting it, like Absolutely. what happened in Indianapolis. Absolutely. I think we just got to encourage that more, this yeah. big thinking and like make it cool. Yeah. No, I, you know, and there's, there, there are, there are some similar, there are traits and characteristics, but there's no, 
mold for this, right? Yeah. You know, uh, another entrepreneur in this building is, is Ankar Kapal from, from Interact, who is, you know, an incredibly successful, talented, you know, incredibly highly educated entrepreneur, you know, is from Kentucky and, and left and, and went to school in Illinois and then worked in Chicago, and, you know, and had an incredible career that he built. Again, incredibly smart. And Ankar decided, you know what, I, you know, I want to prove people wrong in a way and, and come back to Kentucky and build a technology company and, you know, solve some of those unemployment and skill challenges and, you know, just kind of macroeconomic problems in, in his home state. And, you know, again, prove people wrong and actually build a big business. And, and that's what he's doing. There's no, absolutely no one size fits all. And, you know, on the capital side as well, we, we don't see pre-revenue companies raise $10 million on an idea. We don't see that in the Midwest. And, and will we ever? Probably not. Uh, that's okay. There is capital. We're, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, with Lightship uh, as an example, or, or 68 Capital was just announced their $20 million fund in, in Indianapolis, right? We're starting to also think about investing, you know, in, in founders that traditionally have not had that access to capital anywhere. So, so we're seeing capital come in, be a little bit more broad in, in the companies that they're investing in and the founders they're investing in and, and have specific theses around that. That momentum is there. Uh, it's, it's, again, still not what it is in Silicon Valley. And that's, you know, in a lot of ways, that's, that's okay. You know, the founders we work with, again, are, are from Interapt in employment to Jonathan Webb in, in Growing Tomatoes, right? They're very, very different companies, but, but back to those similar traits of wanting to solve some significant problems, seeing problems and, and going out there and solving it. So to, to kind of wrap this up, you know, we keep coming back to, you know, fundraising. I think that's a very clear thing that this, this region needs. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, Endeavor has the Catalyst Fund. So talk quickly about, about that and, and how that helps entrepreneurs. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so Endeavor, again, is a, is a global nonprofit. We grew and scaled for 15 years and, and supported entrepreneurs, you know, along these kind of buckets of access to capital and, and talent and um, I'm blanking on the last one now, uh, markets, <laughs> I should probably know this, uh, you know, so, so Endeavor, you know, we grew and, and scaled our organization, supporting companies and entrepreneurs across the world, you know, with this access to capital and markets and talent, um, you know, but a huge piece again to, to growing a company often is capital and that, and that access. Uh, so in, you know, r- roughly 2010 set about to, to actually raising a fund, our, our catalyst fund, uh, which is now now surpassed about $250 million uh, in, in assets under management. So $250 million that we have to, to invest in companies. Uh, it's, a, it's a rules-based fund. So it is a for-profit you know, venture capital fund, but it only invests in Endeavor entrepreneurs around the world. You know, it invests in entrepreneurs raising around a $5 million or greater, and that has an institutional lead investor. So right, no wealthy family member investing, you know, kind of thing. So, so Catalyst then is pre-committed to 10% of that entrepreneur's round. And that's, you know, I, that's really a perk for, for Endeavor entrepreneurs, for them to walk into an investor meeting, you know, if they're meeting those criteria to say, you know, hey, we, you know, we've got Endeavor, we've got Catalyst, uh, not only, you know, providing access to capital and making introductions to investors, but also, Investing in 10% of this round, you know, co-investing with some of the largest, you know, leading venture capital firms around the world. And then on the back end, Catalyst, again, is a, you know, it's a VC fund. 
um, kind of on the back end, it supports, you know, the, the returns from that go back to LPs, go back to the investors, but a, port, a part of the returns also go into Endeavor. And so the goal there is that the fund also will continue to support Endeavor's mission and, and as part of our financial model in supporting and continuing to support entrepreneurs. Um, so I believe we've invested in, you know, roughly 10% of, is quite rough, but, but roughly 10% of Endeavor entrepreneur-led companies around the world. Uh, so it's, you know, again, Certainly not all Endeavor entrepreneurs become Catalyst investees, but it's a way for us to, to financially support Endeavor entrepreneurs. You know, and I, I get ahead of that with founders, you know, often early on, it's you know, talking about Endeavor and they want to know, you know, do we ever take equity? And, and I, the answer is absolutely not for, for joining the network. No, the only way that Endeavor, you know, in, in kind of a roundabout way gets equity is, is through Catalyst, is through the fund. And so that, that $250 million is, is you know, another way, another mechanism for Endeavor to continue to support high growth, high impact companies and entrepreneurs globally. Yeah. And, you know, as a normal listener of Metal Tech, you know how I like to end these things with a forward looking statement. So uh, in a few sentences, tell us where you, you see this area of the country going and where you see Endeavor going into the next few years and into the future. Absolutely. I'll sort of steal uh, and paraphrase our, our managing director, Jackson. You know, there there will never be less technology companies and less entrepreneurship in the Midwest than there is right now. And that was true a year ago. That was true two years ago. It was true three years ago. Uh, and that's going to continue to remain true. You know, one of the things that we, we haven't touched on too much, but that we're starting to see as well is, is the redistribution of companies and people, right? Uh, a number of people, you know, in, in the last year, not only is it you know, kind of a quality of life issue to live in New York City, particularly during a pandemic and, and in San Francisco, you know, it's really expensive. Yeah. Uh, and yes, there's, you know, yes, there are, are certainly benefits to being in those places. Uh, and there's talent and there's capital and there's things like that. But it is incredibly expensive and you don't have to be there in the same way that maybe you did 10 years ago. And so for our region, I think that's fantastic. You know, I think we're going to continue to see entrepreneurs and companies moving here and continuing to build that density. You know, for us, one of the things, you know, that, that our office regionally we look at is that we want to continue to build more roads between Indianapolis and Louisville and Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, there's two highways uh, and we can drive right down the road to these other kind of mid-sized markets that have, you know, mentors and capital and other entrepreneurs uh, that there's, there's not enough connectivity between them yet. Uh, you know, we joke with our, our office in Atlanta or, you know, places like Houston where you drive an hour and a half in rush hour and you're like on the other side of town. From here, you drive an hour and a half and you're in two different cities that, again, have more resources and more, you know, folks that are, that are there that, that you, you may need to know that may be your next customer or your next investor or your next partner. And so, you know, again, regionally, we continue to see and support you know, high growth companies growing here and, and coming here and, and continue to grow here. And I, I absolutely think that's going to continue. And then, you know, what we continue to work on is, is regional connectivity um, where, you know, of course, these places are in different states and that plays a role. My, my, my last soapbox on that, and you include it if you want, uh, you know, Indianapolis, we're a couple hours down the road from Chicago and, you know, there's a little bit of connectivity there, but it's a, it's a different market still. And Cincinnati, you know, has its connection to, to Columbus and, you know, other cities in the States and then in its state. And then Louisville, you know, is kind of on this weird border of being on the South and kind of being in the Midwest. And so they have their differences, but 
But from a, a little bit more broad view, um, there are similarities, there are similar challenges, and there are similar growth trajectories. And you know, we believe that it's going to be better for these three cities and, and broadly for the states and, and other kind of markets and cities within that region to, to collaborate more, to compete more, uh, and to really, for entrepreneurs, continue to build roads and, and connectivity. That's, that's the exact way we feel as well. And we really appreciate you for helping us get introduced and connected to all these companies that you have. I don't even know if we could go down a list. It'd be so many that you've you've given us introductions to. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on and, and giving this interview yeah, with us. Yeah. Um, before we let you go, give us some plugs for Endeavor where people can go and learn more, where entrepreneurs can go to apply, those sort of things. Uh, definitely. So uh, check out Endeavor at Endeavor.org. That's our, our global website. And then obviously across our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, and if you're an, an, you're an entrepreneur, you're a high growth company, uh, or you know an entrepreneur and, and this is resonating, uh, you know, feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, it's jake.budler at Endeavor.org. Uh, and I'd be absolutely happy to connect and, and chat all things entrepreneurship across the, the Midwest. Awesome.